0: Welcome to the Will preach for food podcast. My name is Doug. I'm a pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church. We are in Shelton, Washington, and we are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can learn more about Faith at our website www.faithshelton.org. This podcast is being recorded for the second Sunday after Pentecost, June 11th, 2023. Let's jump right in with the gospel reading assigned for this Sunday in the Common Lectionary. It is the Gospel of Matthew, the ninth chapter, beginning at verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Then some of John the Baptist's disciples came. And asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. And he goes on to say, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. This is the gospel of the Lord. Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, I was preaching on Romans chapter 15, verse 7, which says that we are to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. And I mentioned how one of the chief criticisms of Jesus, leveled by his adversaries, is that he welcomes sinners and eats with them. And this week, this is the story that shows up here in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus eats with sinners and tax collectors, that is, folks who don't usually get invited to church potlucks. The religious leaders complain. And Jesus quotes from the prophet Hosea, who had declared God's frustration with Israel's worship practices. I desire mercy, God says, not sacrifices. Now the word for mercy here in the Hebrew is hesed. And that's the the word that means loving kindness. It's God's love. It's loving kindness, mercy, grace, compassion, as in, God is gracious and merciful, abounding in Hesed, steadfast love. The point of worship, God, God doesn't need our animal sacrifices as if God was hungry or as if there was some divine equation to be achieved. No, what God wants, what God desires, is that we treat others with the same Hesed love and mercy that God shows us. And so he sends Jesus. And Jesus eats with so-called sinners to show us what God is like, to show us what Hesed looks like, to show us what true worship looks like. The good news is that Jesus likes to hang out with sinners, and it's good news because each one of us in the room thereby qualifies. We are saved by grace through faith apart from our deserving it. So just as Jesus hangs out with us sinners... We show true worship and faithfulness to God by doing the same, by sharing fellowship with other people who are told that they don't belong, who aren't good enough. And then Jesus talks about, in the same passage, about how new wine needs new wineskins. I love this. It's it's about innovation in the church. See, God's Spirit... Jesus is saying, God's spirit is so potent, intoxicating, living, that it always needs new, fresh wineskins, that is, vessels or containers, so that when the when wine ferments and matures, um, uh, the spirit is too vigorous, too potent for tired old ways of doing things. It'd be like putting new wine in an old wineskin. It, it bursts, it'll break, and then everything spills out and nothing is kept. So Jesus is saying, first, he says, I'm kind of a new wineskin. I'm a new vessel for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that God is is giving us. And at the same time, then, Jesus is modeling and teaching us, the church, that we must always be new wineskins. We're always looking for ways to change, adapt, innovate. It's the same Holy Spirit New wine, the same wine, but new wineskins are always needed. New vessels for the pouring out of the Spirit in our time today. And I could preach a whole sermon on this new wineskins thing, but you know what? This is like week 12, and I am going to finish my sermon series on the book of Romans. So let me review the first 15 chapters of Romans in the next, I don't know, five or six minutes. And I want you to remember three words. If you want to remember the book of Romans, think of these three words. Grace, faith, and love. And then once we go through that little review, I'm going to tie in this final chapter, Romans chapter 16. And I think what we see here is Paul culminating his letter to the Romans by demonstrating that he practices what he preaches. Okay? But remember these three words, grace, faith, and love. So, we are saved by grace, part one. The book of Romans begins with this movement from the mirror to the mercy seat. God's law acts as a mirror, right? One of those magnified ones with the glowing light around it, and you look into it, and and this mirror reveals every pimple and wrinkle and gray hair. In the same way, God's law, the Ten Commandments, when we, when, we, when we look at the Ten Commandments, it, it reveals every sin, every hang-up, every skeleton in our closets. So Romans chapter 3 is at the heart of this. By beginning in, in 3.20, it says, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. The law is a mirror that shows us what's wrong. And so Paul concludes in, in verse 23 of chapter 3, all have sinned and fall short of the mark. But then he moves from the mirror to the mercy seat. He says and, uh, that we are justified, we are saved, we are redeemed through the grace of God. We are forgiven not because of who we are, but because of who God is. And then Paul describes Jesus as not the mirror, but the mercy seat. That's what he says in in chapter 3, verse 25. And the mercy seat was the exact place in the temple where the sacrifice of atonement took place. That is to say, the seat of mercy is the place where God promised to meet God's people to demonstrate God's mercy and forgiveness, God's grace toward the people. That's what the whole sacrifice of atonement ritual was to demonstrate. And so... Jesus is a piece of furniture. That is, Jesus is the mercy seat. um, that um, Replacing the old ritual in the temple once and for all. Freely by God's grace, we are saved, Paul insists, through the redemption of Jesus Christ, apart from works of the law. The first part of the book of Romans is that we are saved by grace. And having been saved by the grace of God... We live by faith in God's promise. Faith is the second word. This is hard, Paul admits. All the way from chapters 4 through 11, Paul lays out the challenges and obstacles to living by faith. Because we we face suffering and, and death and grief. And doubt and guilt and shame, stinking thinking, addiction, broken homes and hearts, cancer, religious and political discord, all these things Paul lifts up in verses 4 through 11. Because to live by faith is to trust God's promise, no matter how bad it gets or how distant God feels. Living by faith is hard. But, Paul says, God's promise is so strong, so certain, he says we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. So Paul is convinced, uh, and this is uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 36, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have been saved by grace alone, and now we live by faith in the promise alone, grace, faith. And the third word is love. Because having been filled with the new wine that is the Holy Spirit poured out on us and in us through baptism and the gospel, having been saved by grace, living by faith, we embody and extend God's Hesed love to the world. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices, Paul says, for the sake of the world, just like Jesus did. And so Romans 12 through 15 is, an ex- is exhortation after exhortation to humility, to kindness, compassion, peacemaking, withholding judgment, getting along with other people. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, he says in Romans thirteen fourteen, and do not think about how to gratify the sinful self. Or as we say, and, and that culmination in Romans chapter fifteen, verse seven: Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ welcomed you, in order to glorify God. Christ welcomes sinners and eats with it, with them, and so we, each one of us sinners, come to His table. We eat His body and blood. We receive and accept and welcome others. Uh, this is Hesed love. This is what Yahweh shows us, and this is what Yahweh requires of us. Paul concludes this section of his letter with this, with this benediction, with this prayer. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a summary of the gospel. We are saved by grace alone. We live by faith alone, overflowing with the spirit of love for one another, our neighbors, and the world. This is the Christian life. And this is why we preach and teach the whole Bible. Not just a few verses here or there that allow me to feel good about myself at the expense of someone else. The book of Romans from Chapter 1 through chapter 16 is one of the clearest and loudest presentations of the pure gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, as you'll ever find. Grace, faith, love, repeat. And that brings me to this final chapter, 16. And I'm going to read to you the first 16 verses of the book of Romans, uh, in chapter 16. And I'll warn you, it's a lengthy list of some weird-sounding names. But I want to read it, and as I do, I want you to notice anything surprising or unusual. Here's what Paul writes, chapter 16, the first verse. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon in the church in Sincrea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people, and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Eponitis, who was the first to convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, a dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachus. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the house of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me, too. Greet... Asyncretus, Phlegian, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermes, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philogius, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Yes, I stumble over these names. I don't get them all pronounced right. But what I want you to notice is that there are 29 People listed in these 16 verses. Why does Paul write 29 people down? It's a lot. Now, one obvious reason is that Paul wants to recognize his financial sponsors. It's like if you give to a charity and they list your name as a silver donor or a gold club giver, everybody likes to see their name in print. It's Fundraising 101. Paul is is raising funds to to make his missionary trip to Spain. And so he's honoring those who have already signed up, who are already on his email list, um, by including them in this letter to the Romans. But there's more, I think, because of the 29 that are listed, 10 are women. And given that this is the first century, and given that this is the Apostle Paul we're talking about, That seems surprising, doesn't it? After all, it's the Apostle Paul who had written in an earlier letter to the church in Corinth how he believed that women should be silent, and that women should not be in church leadership, and that women were supposed to be under the authority of men. So why would Paul bother listing women at all? And it gets me asking the question, what happened to Paul Uh, Between the time that Paul wrote 1 Corinthians in 55 A.D. and when he writes Romans in 57 A.D. And for one thing, Paul moves to Corinth. Scholars indicate that Paul writes to the Romans from the city of Corinth. And so I imagine that, that when he first arrives in Corinth, I imagine the church uh, that was there might have told Paul, hey, we got your letter, <laughs> uh, and there's someone that you should meet. And they introduce Paul to a woman named Phoebe from Sancreia, which is just a few miles outside of Corinth. And it seems like this woman has made such an impression on Paul that now, two years later, as Paul is writing a letter to the Romans, he includes this commendation of this woman named Phoebe. He calls her our sister. He refers to her as a deacon, which is one of the, a, a title for a leader in the church in Sancreia. He asks the Romans to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of God's people. She apparently is the one who's going to bring and present Paul's letter to the Romans. Give her any help she may need from you, Paul says. For she has been a benefactor of many people, including me. Benefactor. So I looked up that word, benefactor. In the Greek, literally, it's the word that is used for a woman who has authority over others. Phoebe is, in Paul's eyes, Paul says, one with authority, one called to leadership in the church. She is the best person for the job of delivering Paul's all important letter to Rome. And I find that to be absolutely amazing. I also find it inspiring. Because if Paul can learn and grow, maybe we can too. So I have three takeaways for you today. The first is that this chapter of Romans invites us to celebrate the gifts and calling of all the church. Women and men, young and old, insiders and outsiders, and everyone in between. I'm recording this on Wednesday, June 14th, and the word came out that another denomination in the United States has has, uh, struck down the idea that women can be pastors. Well, I'm proud to be part of the biblical tradition of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America its faithfulness to the scriptures and to the Holy Spirit, the willingness to innovate and, and to always find new ways to be new vessels for the new wine of the Holy Spirit, recognizing and encouraging and sharing the gifts of all people, men, women, and everyone in between. Second, these passages, the gospel that Paul shares in Romans, the story of Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, This is good news for you, O listener. If you're hearing this today, it's because the Holy Spirit has led you to the We'll Preach for Food podcast. And maybe you've been looking in that mirror a long time, and all you can see are the scars and blemishes and gray hairs. But God sees a precious child. God sent Jesus into the world to live and to die along with us, to show us the extent of God's love, welcoming outsiders, forgiving and feeding, laying down his life for the sake of the sheep, laying down his life for you. The promise of God is this. Nothing can separate you from God's love. You are loved, you are forgiven, you are held in the Hesed love of God. And third thing that I'd say, as your pastor and community faith leader, I guess I need to publicly affirm um, that when we say everyone is welcome at faith, we mean everyone. We welcome everyone as Christ has welcomed us, because we are all guests by the Hesed, the grace of God. I say this because I recently received a communication from another pastor in town who was urging me to join with other churches in town to voice opposition to the city of Shelton, recognizing LGBTQIA Pride Month. As though some of us are better or more deserving of respect, as though some of us are created in God's image and some of us aren't, I was grateful for the communication because it gives me the opportunity for the record to say that faith welcomes all, including those who count themselves as members of the LGBTQIA community, because God welcomes all. Those letters, by the way, they stand for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual, queer, intersex, asexual, and plus. <laughs> Look, the whole gender thing is certainly complicated. I don't have all the answers. I'm 56 years old. I, this, is, this is new stuff for me. But this I do know, and this is older than me, by 2,000 years, that if Jesus is willing to eat with questionable characters and complicated creatures like you and me, then just maybe you and I can be open to listening to the stories of members of the LGBTQIA plus community in Mason County, because all we need to remember is that we are all saved by grace alone, to live by faith alone, to share in the Hesed love of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, for the sake of the world, to the glory of God, to the glory of God. That's how Paul ends his letter to the Romans, and so I'll let Paul have the last word today. In Bible terms, this is called a doxology, a word of praise to God. The book of Romans ends with this. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ, amen. To the only wise God, be glory forever, through Jesus Christ, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. To learn more about the gospel or getting connected to, the, to faith, go to the website, faithshelton.org. Like us, subscribe, donate, sign up for the newsletter. You can listen to this podcast on most podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify and Google. I thank Chaz for his production work on this podcast every week. And may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.